Hi guys, welcome back to the Like Minds Podcast, an open journal for creatives and entrepreneurs. I'm Josh Allen, joined as always by my friend Adam Davis. That's right. Today we had an interesting conversation with my friend Maheen Islam. I actually know Maheen uh, through work as an engineer, but he actually has a podcast and he's been a part of a very successful podcast in the past. So it was interesting talking to him about that. And we also got into the idea of entrepreneurship and at what point exactly does one feel comfortable jumping into an entrepreneurial idea full on? Yeah, I was, uh, I hadn't met Maheen before this, so I'll be meeting him for the first time with, uh, with you guys. Uh, but we had a great conversation and uh, I had a really good time. So let's go ahead and get into it. Today we have my friend Maheen Islam. He is a practicing engineer and he also has a couple podcasts of his own currently focusing on uh, sultans and sneakers. How are you doing today, Maheen? I'm good, man. What was, was good, uh, Adam and Josh? Uh, happy, to ha- happy to be on your show. Happy to meet you, man. For I've sure. been looking forward to, to this one. Adam and uh, Maheen already know each other. Or Ma- oh, it's Maheen. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, they already know each other. So I'm just meeting Maheen with our listeners. So this is my first time talking to him as well. For sure. So Maheen, what what got you into podcasting in the first place? And how long have you been doing this for? I've been hosting shows for over about four years now, right? Um, I've always been interested in podcasts as a consumer. I've probably been listening to podcasts for close to 13, 14 years now, since about 2006, I want to say. Um, and I've always had these ideas to do a podcast, but I never really got around to it you know that's part of my challenge with me my personality is acting on ideas right um Mm -hmm. so about four years ago i was um at a lunch and i was there i I was taking this i'm I'm muslim by religion so i was taking a class over the weekend on on some like issue of like religious sciences right and i would that's that's something I, i like to do and um, I was at a lunch on a lunch break with the guy who was teaching the course. And there was a guy there who was trying to um, pitch this guy to come on his podcast. Cause he's a very well-known like celebrity preacher, so to speak. Right. Um, could he, cause he was just launching his podcast, which was called the mad mom looks. Um, and then I, I saw the guy and I was like, Hey, and I listened to a little bit of mad mom looks. They just started, they had like maybe eight or nine episodes released. And I was like, Hey, you guys are doing a great job. It's a unique concept. Um, and he was just like, hey, man, you got a really good radio voice. You should, like, be utilizing that talent. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, my wife says my voice is annoying. This is the first time someone's complimented me <laughs> in my voice. So um, he's like, why don't you come by my place tonight? Um, we got some, we're doing a barbecue. You can hang out, et cetera. So I'm like, sure. I thought he might be willing to do – he wanted to do a show with me or something as a guest. But in his mind, he actually wanted me to host a show. Um, I found that out for sure, like, two days later. He invited me back. We did a test run. And a week later, I was hosting my first episode. And I've hosted about over probably 150 episodes uh, for Mad Mom Luke's. Um, and I've been doing that for about four years. I was the anchor for the, good, for the first three years or so, kind of taking a step back. I'm still co-hosting, but focusing on my own project now. Um, you know, So yeah, that's kind of, there's a little bit more backstory behind it. Um, like I knew the guy, the producer, I knew his ex-wife. Um, mm-hmm. We were in the same Arabic class. 
Um, and then the producer's younger brother is a good friend of mine who I've known for about 10 years. Um, so I kind of loosely knew him, but, um, you know, we just never really became close until we started podcasting together about four years ago. Okay. What was, uh, uh, Mad Monluce, what was that about? And then what, uh, what was that podcast about? And then what is your current podcast uh, centered around? So, so the Mad Mumluks is, I would say, is the most popular Muslim podcast globally. Um, you know, in the English, in as far as the English speaking language goes. And I'm very particular about how I define a podcast. A podcast isn't like someone giving a lecture to upload on a podcast app. It's an actual like conversation, like Joe Rogan style. Um, you know, where you're having a guest, you have banter you go long form two to three hours and um, it's religious conversation, but it's not typical religious conversation. It's not dry and boring. Like we can get really ratchet real fast. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But we're all three of us or four of us who are co-hosts. We have a rotation are all like practicing Muslims, um, which means something. Right. Um, but then we talk and we talk about a lot of taboo issues that, the community does that or uh, the Muslim community doesn't want to talk about. So sometimes we get people, we, we get, we do get backlash for it. We're considered a little controversial, a little edgy um, in that sense. Um, there's a lot more Muslim podcasts out now. It's almost saturated, I think the market, but back when we started in 2016, um, there was only a handful and we, and I still think we are one of the few ones in our niche because with religious podcasts, they tend to want to, be very they want to play close to the vest they want to be careful about how they speak we're like i have no filter like i will ask the most ridiculous questions if it's in my head i'm going to ask it without even me thinking about if it's appropriate or not that's got me into trouble mm -hmm. in the past but i think that's also my unique quality as a host um that i don't you know because i think if i'm thinking about it people are thinking about it as well and they want to they want to know the answer to it hmm. For that's, sure. So awesome. what was that, what was that like seeing something that you guys started from, from the very beginning grow to being one of the most popular podcasts in a particular niche in the world? You guys basically saw this grow from nothing. So what was that like as a, uh, as you guys witnessed that over the last four years? I, I mean, it, was, it was there, was there a particular point where you were like, wow, like this is, this is big at this point. You know, um, there's been instances where I feel like, it does, it still happens to this day, right? You've been, you know, grillers and whiting, right? I remember a couple of years back, I was at grillers and I went with some coworkers. We went for lunch and I was wearing like, like our, my company t-shirt, like recruiting team, et cetera, because I do that. So we finished eating lunch. I'm walking out. This guy then, he follows me out and he's like, hey, can I ask you a question? And I thought he was going to ask me for a job because I hadn't like a recruiting team t-shirt on. And he was like, hey, are you the host of the Mad Mumluks? And I was like, um, yeah. And at the time, we had no video. So he recognized wow. me in my voice, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I got to know him. He's like, yeah, I work at BP, but I'm from St. Louis. I'm a contractor. I'm an electrical engineer, um, you know. And so, and that's happened numerous times. Like, I've been, like, I was in Granada, Spain, of all places, at a coffee shop back at the end of February, like late night, like 10 o'clock, my, my wife and my two, with, with two of my kids getting like coffee and dessert and three guys from California just approached me. They're like, Hey, are you Mahim from the Mad Mom Luke's? And I was wow. like, yeah. So that kind of stuff does happen. It's like, it's every time that happens, it's crazy because, um, it's now it's cause of my face, cause we have YouTube, but back then it was my, my voice. The first hundred episodes, we did them only on audio. Um, wow. so I think that's kind of how we realized um you know 
that you know it is it is something that is very it is very well known like we do get like messages and it's opened up opportunities to get involved in in, in other avenues like I, I was i i was contracted out as a host before for another channel where they paid me to just just to host their channel so um, interesting you know that's incredible i couldn't even fathom uh or couldn't even imagine just like having global <laughs> influence or or just being recognized and and yeah places you know far away from home that's that's pretty cool yeah what's unique though is my followership even on instagram or facebook doesn't reflect that like on my facebook i think our podcast is about we've plateaued at about forty two thousand followers um my personal page doesn't have that much i mean even on instagram it's not but it's like we do have like a very loyal followership i think okay yeah. um and then what is uh so what is sultans and sneakers about you've gone on and you're doing your own uh, podcast. Are you, you're the only host. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the only host. Uh, Sultan and Sneakers is kind of like uh, my own project. One of the things with Mad Mom Looks, I'm a host, but I'm not like I don't have ultimate creative control, right? Okay. And so what I what I came to realize is that there was a lot of sh maybe episodes I wanted to do or things I'd be interested in that wouldn't be a fit for Mad Mom Looks. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't understand a lot of the technical side of the podcast. What happens? Because what hap what happened is I would just show up to the studio. To my friend's place basically and run my mouth for two hours or three hours right and i would like prepare for the show on the way there i would like my preparation would be the, the 40 minute drive where i'm listening to a past interview or something or some lecture of the guest we're bringing on right just to get get a feel for what he's about so there and it was easy it was really easy and i was getting you know um but i didn't understand the technical side production like editing all that kind of stuff i did a little bit of editing in the past but um, I wanted to get that background is something that also my producer from Mad Mom Looks, we talked about. He's like, listen, if I get hit by a train, none of you guys know how to run a channel. So a couple of us did break off and start our own side projects while we're still hosting for Mad Mom Looks. Um, so that was the initial intent. Um, I also, when I started, I first was going to do a similar style show, but then I was like, why would I make another redundant Muslim podcast mm. when I already am a host of another Muslim podcast? That kind of doesn't make any sense. Mm. Um, what I found I was interested in, in was like to understand like people's worldviews, right? And worldview is something very broad, right? So even being a sneakerhead, for example, is a worldview that people don't think about. And I say it to and people like, well, it's not a worldview. I'm like, yo, dude, if people are going to kill you for some Jordans, that's their worldview, right? Right. <laughs> you know sure. what I'm saying? Like yeah. they, they put your life over some Jordans, you know, like to me, a worldview is like your ultimate belief system. What is your top paradigm that you operate your life by? Um, and I think that's, I, and I'm really interested in understanding why, not only what they believe in, but why they believe it. What's their life experience like? What caused it? What, what happened over the course of their life that caused them to end up in their current state? Hmm. Interesting. So, so you would consider yourself as a sneakerhead, correct, Mahin? I, I would, yeah. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about, uh, give us a little insight into that worldview, if you will, because that's, that's a whole world where I'm not too knowledgeable in. What's that about? I, I mean, uh, like at the end of the day, it's like how I would say for me, it's a subsidiary worldview. It's not my dominant worldview, right? Um, mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is it influences how you make, like kind of decisions you're making. Because like, if you end of the day, we all know, I practically will tell you, you only need a couple pairs of shoes to be functional. Mm -hmm. I know you're a minimalist, sure. Adam, right? So for the sure. fact that I've got like probably 75 pairs of sneakers in my house is like going to blow your mind. And I have an Excel spreadsheet that tracks it all. Um, wow, for sure. Wow. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, 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 it's more like it's something that 
it shapes who you are. It, it, it's kind of like, it, it means something else for me. It's about what it signifies for me is like the stuff that I wanted as a kid that my parents wouldn't buy for me because they couldn't afford it. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I think it means. It, it means something else to everyone. For others, it means like street culture. I'm not like from the streets to be honest. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I have friends that grew up in the streets. That's how I got exposed to the culture when I was a kid. And so therefore, like a lot of what I cop is because of, you know, the stuff that when I was a kid, I couldn't get that they're retroing now or similar styles, you know? Um, so for me, I, I, I think if you dig deep into it, it's more like it's my, it's my upbringing, what I was exposed to as a youth that I couldn't, that now that I have the financial means for, um, I'm able to now like kind of, kind of go in that direction, but it, but it's certainly not a dominant, it, like it would be a subsidiary. I, I wouldn't, I don't even know if I'd consider it a worldview for me because like right now under this pandemic, like we're, you know, financially strapped. So I, there's stuff that's coming out. I'm only going to buy if I know I can flip it for more money, but I'm not going to buy something mm-hmm. to keep it right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, so you, you flip or, or what is it? Is it stock X or X that, is there stock X? There's goat. Uh, I prefer to use a local consignment shop. Okay. Um, shout out to League Ready Chicago. Um, they, uh, I've, I've, I've sold some stuff through them. Um, you know, because I don't need like the money right away. The consignment shop allows you to like make a little bit more money than you would make on stock X because people have this instant gratification when they see a shoe, they got to have it right away and they'll pay whatever price if you have it in their size. Right. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you can, they can walk out the door and stock X, you know, you might have to, you might be waiting a couple of weeks. Right. Gotcha. So, so when yeah. you, when you purchase a shoe, what is, uh, what is it that you look for in a shoe? What, what makes a, a good shoe for you? Oh man, that's a, that's a good look to me. It's so I, I look at two angles, right? I will buy a shoe if I think there's going to be hype around it. And because the thing is, and you, I don't really, sometimes you don't know until right after you buy the shoe, like these Ben and Jerry's donks that came out. Like I know mm-hmm. you commented on my Insta story the other day, right? Yeah. Yeah. They were going for like a hundred bucks. I like the shoe. And I was like, if I get them, I might like keep them. I might flip them. But I, I'd have, I figured they were going to be worth like 500, 600 bucks on a resale market. Mm-hmm. So I was like, and the nice thing about Nike, when you purchase on the sneakers app, you get like, actually Nike's policy is that if you don't wear the shoe, and you have the receipt, you have, can always return. I've returned stuff for like two years. There's, oh, there's okay. an open-ended return policy. Okay. So you can like buy a shoe and like hold it and see how it does in the, in the, on StockX. That's what, so that's what I would do. So that's one angle, right? Um, if, I was, I, if I knew that shoe would not resell, would I have bought it? Maybe, probably not. Um, because it's like I'm 38 and it's like, that shoe's a little out there for a 38 year old dude with three daughters to be wearing. Right. Um, the Jordan five fire red that came out a few weeks back, that's a shoe that I didn't get. Cause I was like, it's 200, bu- but it's 200 bucks. But it's like, I'm also like, I'm furloughed right now. Right. So I'm not going to be spending money on like random stuff. I was like, I'll go get that later when I get my regular income back. Um, so I think that's where, um, but but that's a shoe that reminds me of my childhood. That's like a Jordan. That's a classic Jordan. That's like a no brainer for me, right? Okay. Um. So for me, I think it's like, and but but I always think about like, what can I put together? What what kind of fit can I wear? What what baseball cap do I got? What t shirt do I have? Yeah, do I have yeah. a jersey? Do I have a top? Like, what outfit can I put together with it? And I envision that when I see a shoe. Gotcha. That's yeah. cool. So one of my uh, 
I would consider it a pretty dominant worldview that I have is uh, comes from skateboarding. I grew up a skateboarder. That's how I, it affects a lot of how I uh, see the world. And like I mentioned, uh, on, I was talking on Instagram, I wouldn't consider myself a sneaker head, but because, um, because of skateboarding, I, I did end up learning a lot about shoes because it's a very important uh, piece of gear to the sport. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of culture then to it as well. So I saw you trying to get the, uh, the Ben and Jerry dunks. Um, I was, I was wondering if you knew anything about, uh, the history of, uh, of the dunks. Cause I was, I was curious. I know that the, I, I think that the dunks were developed as a skate shoe based off of the Jordan one. So it was the shoe that they made for skateboarders based off of the Jordan one, because a lot of skaters were, uh, were, were skating ones. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm not sure about that. Like, I know that there's the dunk, the basketball dunk, which is like the high okay. top dunk. The high top. From the, the 80s. Top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the low top dunk is what you call the SB dunk, which SB is for state skateboarding, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure. I think the high top dunk is a basketball shoe came out first, because that, okay. that predates the Jordan one. That was like early 80s, if I recall. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, now the S, because I think the SV stuff, the skateboard dunks came started in like the '90s with like, who's the one Rodriguez, right? What's his last? What's his first name? Uh, Paul, Ro- Paul Rodriguez, yeah. Paul Rodriguez. Yeah, um, he, he's got a. I had one of his sixth pro model. I was a big fan of Paul. Okay, um, yeah. So I I believe the basketball dunk predates the SV dunk, but I could be mistaken. I, I've never. Right. I, I'm not a super historian on like random shoes. I remember. Sh- for me, it's all about experience. Like, right. Okay. Like, I'll, like I remember the first time, the first show I ever fell in love with was the Reebok, Reebok pump. It came out in third, when I was in third grade, 1990, uh, my boy, James Bumgardner had a pair. And then I don't think you guys, you guys probably aren't even old enough to remember 1990, right? Y'all aren't even like born, right? <laughs> uh, weren't even born. No, yeah. weren't a thought. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, he had the, and then Michael Chang, he was a really good, he was a, he was a tennis player, Asian American. Okay. He had the pumps. I picked up his, I have his pumps. Cause that was like from the, from the original run. It was like D Brown, Michael Chang. These were the original Reebok pump athletes. And I remember we used to like pump the shoe. I remember when James got his shoes, man, everyone would want to go up to his feet and like pump his shoe up. <laughs> oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> you so know? Uh, an aspect to, uh, of you being a sneakerhead is, is, uh, kind of going back, like your your childhood and uh yeah I, yeah i definitely remember specific childhood instances right of okay. me of seeing certain shoes for the first time or experiences like m- m- my one of my best friends got his jordan 7 bordeaux stolen from the mosque right oh, wow. <laughs> and so he got like he had him for like a week and this is like 91 my buddy's like an anesthesiologist now right and <laughs> I was like, you should get a pair, man, for old time steak. But uh, yeah, I remember that. So I, so I remember those. So when those came out in, in a retro form, I was like, oh, I got to get those. So that's, I remember my boy had those and he got, they got stolen. <laughs> wow, that's cool. So it's, like, it's almost like music, like a, a song that was popular when you were a kid, like going back, yeah. listening to it. Uh, exactly, uh, yeah. It takes you back to that time. That's really right. cool. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about, um, uh, I never thought about shoes from that angle. So that's really cool. That's how I connected with it for sure. So, Mahin, I have a quick question. Uh, getting back a little bit more into uh, your podcast experience, um, as you know, Josh and I are starting our podcast for the first time ever. 
And you are also starting a new podcast, Saltons and Sneakers, uh, and using some of the experience that you inquired through Mad Mumbles. So my question to you is, are there any uh, particular things that you're taking from your experience with Mad Mumbles and you're applying to Saltons and Sneakers, whether it's uh, being able to get big names on, because obviously if you get big names, they have big audiences and that draws more people to your podcast, or if it's uh, improving the way that you interview people or whatever, are there any particular things that you're kind of, you you're taking from your experience with Mad Mumbles and applying to Sultans and Sneakers? Sure. Um, so I want to talk about the big names first, right? Because when we first started Mad Mumbles, we were very cognizant of trying to get big names, right? Big names only mean anything if they actually promote the show once you record it right? Some of these big name guys, they'll record with you and then you put this content out and they won't share a thing. So their audience won't even see it. Right, right. Right. Uh, we, that was our experience. So within the Muslim community, you have like what we call celebrity preachers. I don't know if Christians are, you know, I don't, I think it happens. I think there are Christian like celebrity preachers, Jewish, celebrity, are, every yeah. religion has it. Right. Um, so most of our Muslim celebrity preacher shows did not do well as far as downloads go. Right. Um, so that's, that was our lesson. Number one, some of our best shows were like just, the, and the other thing is some of these like big name people, they're not, they're hesitant to open up. There's all this stuff they can't talk about. They won't like, they won't like just go off the cuff with you. Right. Um, like you can't only like the conversation can't get as real, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. so I think that that's what we learned. That's what we learned. I, I mean, I, and so I, I had that mindset with my own channel as well. Um, I also have say, seen where in the past, um, some of my producer would not air certain shows if he felt like the audience wouldn't um, like the show. My mindset though is different. I believe that every, there, no matter what you put out, there's gonna be somebody out there that's gonna like that piece of content. And it's mm -hmm. not you as, I don't know if you guys follow Gary Vaynerchuk will say, don't like start projecting what you think onto your audience. Let them tell you what they like. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. because some of, um, like my favorite episodes were shows that like my producer was like, almost did not want to air. I had to like really talk him into it. Um, and some of the stuff he hasn't aired ever. And I'm like trying to like, maybe get some for him. Like I might air him as bonus content. So anything I record, my general philosophy is I'm going to air it. Even if I, was like, ah, it didn't go as well as I thought. I'm still going to put it out there because it's still content at the end of the day, right? Oh, uh, and then mm -hmm. I'll let the people judge it. And if they don't like it, there's going to be another show in a week or so that they can listen to, right? Um, as a consumer of a podcast, I, I know that I don't listen. When I listen, I have favorite shows, but I don't listen to every single episode. I, I don't have the bandwidth to listen to every single episode of every podcast I'm subscribed to. I'll look through, I'll look through my iTunes feed, like Apple Podcast feed and see what they've got and I'll pick and choose and then I'll download those and listen to those. Right. Um, so yeah, th that's the thing about the getting the big names thing. The big name works. Um, if you get the, only, I've had one, uh, I've had a few big names on Sultans and sneakers. Um, but the, but the, but if they share the show, it goes like, it does really well. Um, I had a guy named Dr. Jonathan Brown. He's a professor at Georgetown, um, on a Facebook stream and you know, his show, I think it's got 3000 views or something on just on Facebook. And then I've, it's also on YouTube. It's my most viewed show on YouTube so far. Uh, but he shared it, you know, and 
that and he's got a huge following and people started tuning in and I got some great feedback he normally would talk about. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, that's, that's my take on big names. Got you. And then so what's your other what, question about like, what did you learn about like, um, oh, the other thing I would say is what I've learned is Josh, you saw my Instagram post the other day about like, so one of the things that happens when we, um, with Mad Mumbles, what happened is we'd bring on a guest that was controversial. People would have hit us up like, why are you giving this guy a platform? Right. Mm-hmm. That's become mm-hmm. my number one pet peeve. The one thing I will say that I've learned in my four years pre of like of podcasting is that you just can't care. Like if you believe that this guest is going to add some value, you bring them on. Right. If you think it's going to be interesting, bring them on. Not caring about what people are going to think, not worried about like um, the, I don't know if this exists in other communities, but within a Muslim community, there's this rhetoric out there that they will cancel you hard. If you, if, if you bring on somebody that they're not going to like, be down with, they'll just cancel you. And there's this, and they, they hold it over your head. And I just don't care. Like, I'm just like, um, okay, if, if my community wants to cancel me, that's cool. I'll just bring on like more non-Muslims. I'll, I'll bring like my ideal spit for Sultan and Stinkers. Like my network is still more, mostly Muslims, right? Um, at this point, right? So you look at my feed, it's mostly Muslim guests. I eventually want to get to a healthy 50-50 split. But if the community wants to cancel me and they're like, oh, don't go on Mahin's show because he brings all these degenerates on, um, I, I'd, be, I, I'd have no issue going to a different market, right? For uh, sure. Still having my own perspective as a conservative practicing Muslim, but like bringing that to another conversation with somebody else in a completely different space. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I like uh, kind of what you were talking about earlier, just putting a just putting it out, just putting the content out, whether, you know, regardless of how you feel about it. Um, I, I like these mediums like podcasting and, uh, and YouTube. Um, I do a vlog with my media company. It, it's cool that like, it's not like you're, I, I think people get into these things and they, they always are thinking like they already have this big weekly show that's on network television. And it's like, yeah. No, it's you. You have like ten subscribers. Just just put the episode up, you know. And and uh, you know, people get really caught up on, oh, is this on brand for me, or is this that for me? And it's like, you know, uh, it, it it it'll benefit somebody. And then if it's different from what you normally do, do what you normally do again next week. You know, those people are more than welcome uh, to come back. And like you said, like especially with podcasts, I don't listen to every podcast that I, uh, that I follow. Um, yeah, you, you, you gotta, it, it's, we have the opportunity now with these uh, mediums to do that because in the days of TV and radio, they, they just gave you the same thing and they, you didn't have the opportunity to click on a different video or click on a different uh, podcast. It was just whatever, what was, was on TV, you know? Right. Uh, exactly. Right. I think people like to see the journey too, right? People yeah. like to see mm-hmm. how you grow. You and even you can go back and look at your old content if you have it out there mm-hmm. and see. But people, I think, are scared. Um, I've always my personality is such that I really don't care. Like I don't take myself too seriously, right? So like I'll laugh at myself all the time. But it's in, but also when you're putting it out there, as you keep built, as you put more content out, you have it generates ideas. If you hold on all your content, you're not gonna your brain isn't gonna work. You're not gonna think about. Adam, I don't, you remember these old conversations that you, we used to, when we used to share the office, 
when mm -hmm. I didn't know, I used to tell you, I don't know what my channel is. Cause I didn't talk about back then. I didn't tell you soul to the sneakers about worldview. So I really didn't know. I just knew I did not want to do another Muslim channel, but I was like, I just want to interview who I'm interested in. That's kind of only, that's, that was sure. my only angle. You remember that? Mm -hmm. um, I do. And then, and, and, go on. and then, and then I remember I was driving one day, listening to another random podcast. And then it just, idea entered my head. And I think that only comes about because as I'm putting out the sh my content, I'm like, what's, there's another theme about this. Like, oh, I'm asking everybody else about like how they got to what it's like. I like origin stories, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested. And then I realized that I, I, I took a class at a church like two years ago. And I was like really interested in Christian theology, not only about what it was, but like, why do Christians believe why they believe, you know, what like the issues of the Trinity, et cetera. I, I, that was my question. I was like, I understand what you mean by the Trinity, but I want to know why you believe it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. that's, and I had this epiphany go off, but I think that only comes after you're putting the stuff out. For sure. And, and going off what you're talking about, I think that uh, just being able to get people with different views on is, is crucially important because uh, I can look at something like the Joe Rogan podcast and some of my favorite podcasts that he puts out are where the person he's interviewing may have a different view than Joe Rogan. And they systematically dissect the issue. Uh, the, the host or Joe Rogan will, will give his opinions as to why he thinks something. And then the person he has on will say, well, wait, let's look at it. Let's look at it this way, right? And you're almost like figuring out your own perspective on the matter by listening to the, the two people dissect it in real time, you know? So I think you should definitely you know, get as many different worldviews as you can get because that, that sounds like it's something very interesting, especially to like teenagers and people in their early 20s who are, who are really just trying to figure out their worldview, right? Mm -hmm. like, like the bottom line is we, we all got dropped off here into existence. We don't know why we're here, but we're here. And everybody has different uh, stories trying to explain why we're here. So just being able to talk about those things from, from a philosophical manner, I, I think could be super valuable. Right, exactly. And you, you don't want, otherwise you end up with an echo chamber, which I think a lot of podcasts are. And I mm -hmm. think this whole notion of deplatforming people and like not giving people a platform, et cetera, um, you know, it's just, it's just nonsensical to me. You know, I'm like, why would I want to have two people talk about something they agree, you know, all the, I mean, sometimes Precisely. It's, it's good if you, it, it has its place, right? But then don't shame people into like bringing on somebody else. Because I, I think their, their fear is that like, oh, well, this person is a very dangerous view. And then if you elevate that person and you can't, if you're not, if you yourself are not equipped from a knowledge point of view to like refute that person, um, you know, then, you know, you're elevating that this dangerous view. Now, here's the thing. What if I'm not convinced it's dangerous? Like, that's not even universally like. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it, it's, 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 it's your subjective opinion that he has a dangerous view, but let's explore that a little bit. Right. But people aren't willing to like, people like, or they got their minds made up. What, uh, sure. you, you said something about podcasts being echo chambers. What did you mean by that? I mean, it's generally like where you're not, you're only, you have, um, a certain, you have a certain message and you want to stay within that mess. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll give you an example of an echo chamber um, where the guy is showing he's not an echo, where he wants to say he's all about free, free speech. I don't know if you guys know Dave Rubin from the Rubin Report. Um, he's, um, he, he's like, 
used to be a comedian. Now he's like, um, you know, political commentator kind of show, right? So he's all about free speech, being a classical liberal in the liberal sense and talking about how like classical liberals have been alienated by the Democratic Party, et cetera. So there's, it's, you know, in that line. So he'll bring on Peter, people like Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, et cetera. Um, but then he's always talks about, and I, I, I know, I, I, listen to his, I listen to his content and he has a certain view about what Islam means, right? As a religion. So then he brings on Muslim, he brings on people who are like, who the Muslim community considers as like fringe or outcast who don't even represent us to like tell, to more or less confirm what his preconceived notions of Islam are. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? That's yeah. what I would mean by echo chamber. So for example, um, let's say one of the critiques from Mad Mamluks, which I think is a, is, is a reasonable critique is that we, we are not fair when it comes to feminism. Um, that we have a certain perspective on feminism. Um, and when we, bring, when we bring on people to talk about feminists, it's people who already agree with our viewpoint of feminism. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. And when we bring on, if we, and if we bring on somebody who is not of our viewpoint, we spend most of our time maybe shouting that person down rather than actually listening and, and like digesting A, like, because my point of view as I host, now when I'm on a host with, two or three other hosts, not all my hosts are going to think that way. They're going to be like, oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. I'm like, well, no, my, my point of view is like, I might disagree with you, but I want to let you, let me hear you first. Okay. Now I'm going to say, okay, th- th- this is what you said, right? Is this, did I understand you correctly? And then I'm like, oh, I agree with that. Or I disagree with that based on this. Right. That's, that's how I have a, that's how I like have a back and forth. Um, so th- that's, those are some examples of what an echo chamber could be is like, you might have, somebody who's just in there to validate your own views you're not really being challenged so to speak gotcha yeah you get into a little bit of uh i've heard uh the term used i listened to this uh podcast called group chat and they use the term bubble talk uh referring to like your experience within your own bubble and like confirmation uh bias and yeah i see what you're saying like yeah it it, it definitely is easy especially in the age of the internet to just say that you're you know taking in different things but just constantly surround yourself with things that you know are gonna yeah like look at look at social look at people and how the who they support on social media they always are retweeting and support people they agree with Mm -hmm. right they're not like i mean which you know and they talk like they're open-minded they're not open-minded but then are 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 they really I, i i really don't i think for the vast majority of people they aren't for sure. And, and some of the real problems that, that propagate this phenomena is uh, like, for example, you go on YouTube, right? Uh, YouTube has an algorithm that recommends you things based off of what you've already watched. So a lot of times, like uh, what you're recommended to watch uh, is in line with that particular viewpoint you've already been watching, you know? So that, that's like a, another mechanism that's just propagating this uh I don't want to call it closed mindedness, but really just like isolation of information, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, in regards to like, uh, I, I, I try to sometimes every once in a while, just like, just like taking content that's like so far out of like what I, what I would normally watch. And it's really weird. So like, uh, it's funny. Cause like I'll, I'll, you know, watch my my stuff or whatever the content and the people that i follow that i agree with yada 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 and then like if if i ever see a video that uh piques my interest or ever just sometimes i'll seek it out just intentionally just like oh let's, let's just watch something that 
you know, I, I wouldn't normally think. Uh, and it's so wild how quick like YouTube starts serving you ads from that other viewpoint. Like it's, it's, it's insane. Like it's, you click on one video and all of a sudden every suggested video, every ad is just, wow. You would think that <laughs> you know, you're a whole different person. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, uh, it is an issue with, um, with social media. And it's, speaking of which, uh, like, you know, sometimes uh, I, don't, I don't use TikTok anymore, but uh, there was a good maybe three, four month period where I was using TikTok. And from the way I understand it, I believe that TikTok has the most advanced algorithms. They, they, they mm. incorporate uh, machine learning and, and artificial intelligence into really finding out what you like, right? But it's it's so funny to me because like I don't know how TikTok thinks that I uh, subscribe to these ways of thinking, but for some reason TikTok thinks that I'm like obsessed with black conservative or conservatism or whatever. Uh, and I think it's because sometimes like I'll, I'll come across uh, like a black dude talking about like a super far right wing black dude, and I'm like, okay, let me hear what he has to say, you know? Like because I'm I'm generally more liberal leaning and more left leaning, but I'm like, all right, let me hear the other side. And because of that, TikTok's just serving me like a ridiculous <laughs> amount of black conservatism. Yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, just today, I per- I don't even remember what I watched. Uh, I-, I can't remember. I just was like on YouTube and just randomly there was something, I don't even remember what the video was. It was uh, Ben Shapiro though, which like, I don't, subs- I'm, I don't follow Ben Shapiro, but I watched videos uh, from him just, just to, you know, diversify and see like, what, what are these people even talking about sometimes? And uh, right after that, like, this is not something that stays in my, uh, like, this is not something I watch frequently, but like right after that video, I got to add to send Trump a birthday card. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, no, thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, as far as TikTok, TikTok is, uh, it's insane. Cause they know like what you watch, how long you watch it it's it's uh it, it's it's intense yeah, and then i given that uh the china or the chinese hold that company they're controlling that company i can't say i'm fully convinced that it's not a spying device man mm. so i'm kind of i'm kind of just staying away from it for the most part now i do want to go hard on tiktok I, I just need to figure out how i can make um a content that appeals for my podcast you know, because the thing about TikTok is like you don't want to chase the algorithm. You want to like also be organic. So I, I, I've got to sit down and brainstorm like what I, I, I do want to start going hard on TikTok. Mm-hmm. To, you know, bring more awareness to the show. Is it that uh, I actually had a question um, in regards to like everything that you're doing creatively and making content and things like that. Uh, obviously, you do podcasts. Uh, you're on YouTube. Are those the only two types of content that you uh are going to focus on I, you just mentioned TikTok. are there any other forms of content that you're uh interested in maybe haven't tried or, or want to try it again i mean i'm just on the social i mean i i'm basically m- my bread and butter is going to be the audio and video podcast right mm-hmm. okay which then you can deploy on all the podcast apps you can deploy on um if you if you if there's a video version i can like and what i do on facebook is i don't link my youtube video i actually upload the video to facebook okay separately to youtube so it looks like it's an actual face but just because i've heard that helps with that with the algorithm facebook doesn't like it if you're just linking youtube 
Um, TikTok is one thing. I don't know what else, what else is out there right now. I mean, I'm on Instagram. To, I, I need to up my Twitter game a little bit. Mm. Well, uh, Instagram, there's, um, there's a lot of shorter, uh, well, TikTok is really the best for short form uh, yeah. content, it seems nowadays. Yeah. But uh, Instagram, uh, you can make a lot of use of uh, short, uh, short, short form content and LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah, like LinkedIn is something that I'm interested in. Um, I just don't know how because they they say you're not allowed to have like two profiles on LinkedIn. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to figure out like how to, especially because I'm kind of like, yeah, I expect to get called back to work at the end of July or whatever it is. Adam might know more. Than, he might have some inside information on that. But uh, <laughs> you know, um, I'm I'm also at the, using this time to like think about really what I want to do and finding maybe there's other avenues I want to go. So like, I don't, sure. I'm not, so I'm kind of hesitant on using LinkedIn right now for my podcast. I have it that I'm a podcast host and producer, but, um, like maybe once I, once I start working again, I might start going hard on LinkedIn as well. What, what I can tell you is this. So I, I have a LinkedIn, right. And I'm in a similar boat to you where I, I'm an engineer by profession, right. But I started a tech startup on the side and I'm also doing a podcast, but the direction that I've taken with my current LinkedIn channel is uh, one in which where I'm not like trying to exclusively exclusively brand myself as an engineer who's going to get a mechanical engineering job, right? Like I'm constantly posting things about my YouTube videos and, and uh, Like Minds podcast and uh, Numbrella, the company I started. Like I think that that's kind of something that's changed in the last couple years. LinkedIn used to be this thing where it's like, it has to be super professional. It only has to be in line with uh, your current profession. Right. But that, that's kind of changed. I'd say it's changed maybe the last year or two, because I've had a LinkedIn for the last five years. And right now LinkedIn is kind of resembling like an early Facebook. Like people are just posting things a lot more and not necessarily only professionally, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but I but I'm still care because because if I'm in the job market, right, I'm still like want to be. You can't be as as open as you would Facebook because obviously some some of my content might be controversial, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, if we're talking politics or religion, right, or like sexual orientation or that kind of stuff, like it's gonna <laughs> you know there's it's gonna trigger people the wrong. I I think for LinkedIn, what I might do is talk more about the business side of podcasting that i've that i'm learning the content creation like this this is my setup this is this is what i do this is how i record this is how i just you know what i'm saying yeah just general themes about like getting stuff maybe i that may be an angle that i made that that i'm that that i I could maybe think about um you know so yeah no that uh that definitely sounds like a good way uh to approach it is it and it would be really good um because the content on there would be different. Uh, one thing that I learned like in the last few years is you don't want to just, uh, like for me, I used to just take like the same piece of content and just post it on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, everywhere. Like if it was mm-hmm. like a, a, a picture, um, but you really should, uh, if you can, and if you have the capability to uh, uh, develop pieces of content for each of those platforms. And, and LinkedIn would be a great spot to do uh, talk about the business side of it obviously it is right. a lot uh yeah it's it's not a, it's not full-on facebook uh, it's not it's not super casual uh it's 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 like a 
networking event at a bar i, I would mm. say like, okay <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's right. uh everybody's there for professional reasons but uh it's a lot um it's a lot more lax than it used to be I, I know that there was a time where it was like it was basically just your resume and now you know i i have seen a, a couple funny videos here and there uh on linkedin it seems like everybody's lightened up just a, just a little bit but i, I think it's kind of cool because everybody still does seem to have a general discipline on LinkedIn to not just post, you know, an obscene amount of cat videos, you know? Right. I got you. And I think, I think people see value. And the thing is like what Adam was talking about is that, you know, you got your startup, you got your podcast. I've got my podcast. When people are hiring you professionally, I think they, I wouldn't believe that they would see these things as assets. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. The fact that you can host a podcast means you can communicate. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that if you're a producer, you and you're it shows like entrepreneurial spirit, these kind of things, right? Granted, now, and I think I'm I'm in the companies we probably want to work for in the future are companies that aren't gonna be afraid that we might have side hustles. Mm -hmm. Like the old school companies sure. um who wanna keep you for 40 years, yeah, they're not gonna like they'll be like, Oh, well, why do you 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 should be a company man? What the hell? Um, we don't wanna work for them anyways. Mm -hmm. So so I guess it works out. For sure. Yeah, that's for a good sure. point. Yeah, every, all, all this stuff is changing, man. It's um, everybody, uh, anybody can, you know, do it and get into these uh, things. So I think that is going to affect how uh, employers look for employees. And yeah, I hope it gets to a point where it's encouraged. I know that if I was an employer, I would, I would definitely encourage, um, encourage it. I know uh, you, you mentioned Gary Vee earlier. I love the way he talks about the way he uh, deals with his employees mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, when somebody uh comes to him talking about quitting how he'll like you know even if it's a big loss for him he he's very active about getting them positioned and, and finding them a position making calls and giving a good referral um, right for I, sure and i i can i can even attest to this exactly what we're talking about uh this current week as we speak my company is looking to hire interns we're uh, looking to hire th about three interns for summer 2020 and as i'm looking at resumes if I see anything to do with entrepreneurship, I, I definitely see that as a plus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, because it's a whole, um, it's, you think differently when you're, uh, when you're trying to do these things and you, and you just have different um, experiences than, uh, than the next guy, you know? Anybody who just hops on the track and like just goes the, you know, takes every class and course and gets every degree that they, that they need there's it just doesn't stand out i think this whole thing is uh so this is a little bit switch up of topics i guess but it, i think it's very cyclical as far as like what's in demand right because uh our grandparents um nobody there wasn't a lot of people who were uh highly educated from that generation so it was seen as like if you had a degree you know you're guaranteed uh, a job but then now you get to i think currently what is it like 70 percent of uh 20 28 percent of america i believe has a bachelor degree oh uh, 28 has a bachelor degree it's and it's even higher uh, let me look it up yeah because i thought it was a lot higher now um but a lot of us a lot more people are educated now than like from our parents and grandparents generation and what that does is now you're just you're just uh, blending in with the pack. But you know, if you have a side hustle, if you have, if you have your own business, now those are the ones that are standing out. When those businesses get big, 
they're going to be looking for a, a, a means of filtering, you know, applicants. So the people who are entrepreneurs today and go on to start the big businesses, they're probably going to be going back to traditional education. So it's, it's, I've always seen it as a, this cyclical thing. You're going to, once too, so many people are educated, people are going to look for other ways to, uh, to separate them out. And then you might, it's, it's right around, it's right around 30, 35% of Americans have a, a college degree. But yeah. You definitely have a point there, Josh. And we were talking about this a little bit before, uh, the times, the times have shifted not only from an education standpoint, but also just the, the opportunity for work has, has shifted. And we, we got into a gig economy a little bit with ARPAN. Um, that didn't used to be an option to just hop on your phone and go get a job with Uber Eats or, or whatever, right? There, there's a lot more opportunity nowadays. In the past, it would have been for a... Uh, um, you're working some like assembly line and that's all you do. And if you're trying to get a new job, but well, your experience doesn't translate over. Right. So that's why people stay for 40 years at a company and the company did provide security at, at those point in times, but that times are definitely changing and we're definitely starting to shift more towards, I guess, viewing work as like project based, you know, not so much like this is what I do for 40 years. Rather, this company over here is doing something interesting. I want to be a part of that. That sounds like it's a good fit for me. Let me be a part of this project for the next two years, you know? Mahi, yeah. you, uh, you sound like you um, uh, have a lot of different things that you want to do uh, kind of in the same vein. What are, what are your thoughts like going forward? Uh, just yeah. what are you interested in doing? Man, I, I'll tell you what, the, the, the beautiful thing about this pandemic uh, has been uh, like even me being like furloughed or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I mean, our company, Adam Contest, doesn't, the term, we, every company has their own terms. I think we got a pretty good deal to be honest, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, I'm actually happy I'm not going to work tomorrow. But like, I think what it's taught me though, is that, so my mindset before this pandemic was I had been at my company over 12 years. Okay. And I had done various jobs and I, and, and I enjoyed the work I did. Um, it was an okay, we made okay money. Right. Um, but then I think I was just being passive about it. And then I was doing my side thing, like my podcasting stuff in the evenings, weekends, et cetera. And I was like, my, my goal was eventually take my podcast, hopefully opening up opportunities. I was thinking about maybe making a media company because I thought there was like, I think what naturally happens when you do a podcast and it starts getting traction is people reach out to you and they're like, hey, can you teach me to do what you want to do? So there's opportunities that in coaching, et cetera. So I was like, you know, maybe a media company down the road while I still have my day job, which is provides me my security, my income benefits, et cetera. Um, but like, I think it's hard to also compartmentalize cause like I was on cruise control at my job. Like my job is like, was came pretty easy to me. It was like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I got a team of people that I run and it's like a well-oiled machine that you just got to fine tune. Right. Um, there's things pop up here and there, but it's pretty chill. Um, you know, not everybody at our company, by the way, has a job like that, right? Some, you know, it was just my nature of my job was, I would think at the, at the, at the current moment it was like that. I think this, this pandemic has taught me that like, I've always been intrigued with the idea of like, what they call a slash generation, ha having multiple streams of income, mm -hmm. right? You know, 
And I think what I've learned is probably now is like, listen, I need to treat my career, my, my job that's like my stable income with the benefits that I use as like more of my, like I got a more like a, I got a brand it. I can't be a company man, so to speak. I would consider myself a company man for the most part up to this pandemic. Um, I don't think I'm that way. I, I don't, I think that's forced to shift and change that way. Now I'm like, all right, because I, I think I bring a unique skill set that may not necessarily fit into a steel mill. Right. Gotcha. Um, but it may fit so, so let, in other ways. So let me ask you this. You, uh, you've been working for uh, a company for 12 years, you said, right? Yeah. So did you have, I, I know that you said your wife is a doctor. Is that correct? Right. Okay. So you have, a certain amount of income that you can kind of live off of if everything goes south. But my question is to you, did you have a decent amount saved up for moments like this uh, so that you can go and pursue your own entrepreneurial endeavors? Because one of the things that a lot of people come across, especially if they have a secure day job is, well, I have this job and it's paying me better than average, right? But that's, that's the very nature of the trap is that because this is paying me better than average, I don't want to give this up. But in doing so and in thinking like that, you never get out of that trap and start building uh, the, the companies that you want to be building and working on the things that you want to be building. So in your experience, what is the balance between uh, having enough security to, to live off of and, and actually going full force into something you want to? Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I definitely think I was a victim or self-imposed victim, not blaming anyone else, myself, that of like being a little too comfortable, right? Because my perception was I, I went through 2008 during the global recession. Our company pretty much didn't like, and I was new then, and nobody was, you know, laid off or furloughed at the time. So I was like, you know, I remember we have, remember we had that conversation a few months back. And I was like, it's not like, and so I figured, oh, well, it'll industry, I'll have the job, but, um, because, but I'm not like, cause what happens is, yeah, you're right. If people, you gotta be like freaking miserable at your job to want to make a change. I, I, I'm at this happy medium where I'm like the, I'm, I'm the frog being boiled. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where I'm yeah. comfortable, I'm nice and warm. And meanwhile, my insides are being cooked and yeah you don't realize it. And, and I think that's why I will, again, I'm, I'm so thankful for this opera for this time, because if I like, I think if I kept my job, you know, I would have still been the frog being boiled. Right. But now it's like, I was able to wake up. I was able to wake up before my insides were cooked. Um, I mean, granted, I was still had, I still had my projects on the side, but I don't think I was really think, but I was thinking that only now I'm like thinking, I got to think of multiple streams. I'm thinking like, all right, well, you got to be like, okay, I, I need to like build a skill set that's like transferable to different things. Right. So one thing I'm interested in doing going forward is, and I didn't think about this before is getting maybe a job in um, like commission-based sales. Um, you know, I was on a track to get into sales at, at our company, Adam, um, or am, so to speak, because I still work there technically. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not commission-based sales. You're not, and I was like, you know what? I need, I need, cause like, I was like thinking in the back, like if I'm going to sell my podcast, if I'm going to have a media company, if I'm going to have my own business, I got to be able to sell it. I got to learn business development. I got to be a hunter. Right. And I got to learn and sure. 
the best way to learn some of that stuff is on a corporate dime somewhere. They have the best, you know, um, they're going to send you all this, you're, you're, you're going to learn, um, you're going to learn that stuff. So now I'm thinking to myself, like, all right, what are the skills I'm going to learn um, that are going to help me? And I, and so maybe getting another, getting a gig in sales is one stream of income, having a podcast is one eventually. And then you fine tune those things. You get good at them and then go to your third, find another thing, mm -hmm. maybe like real estate, maybe like wholesale, you know, there's things out there. The beautiful thing about America is that you can make money doing anything. Yeah, for sure. It, it's so Funny you said that, Mahina. We're gonna have to talk after this podcast. But uh, if you if you are looking for uh, some type of sales gig, to, if nothing else, just to get experience to get a, a sales gig that at a big company, uh, my startup right now we're we're hiring the interns for sales and marketing. So if you want any experience in that field, you're more than welcome to to help out in any way. Sure, we can talk offline for sure. For sure, this is it's interesting. Um, um. How was I going to say it? Because uh, you said you've been at your, uh, you were at your last job for like 12 years. And how, how old are you currently? I'm 38. You do not look it, by the way. That's why Thank I, you. I, was like, I was like, man, he was talking about the 90s. I'm like, how old is this guy? He doesn't, I thought you were like maybe five years older than us. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool to see uh, like someone who's worked at a company for 12 years, uh, you're 38, to, to think that way. Uh, and to have like those shifts because you know that's something that I, I people talk about a lot like there's this age like once you hit 30 or, or 25 that like you you're supposed to stop thinking that way or seeing those uh types of inner uh yeah I mean like you know I, I'm it, it saddens me because I talked I talked to some of my coworkers who yeah were also furloughed in my demographic and they're so damn sad yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, yo, this is great. Right. <laughs> like, why do you want to go to work? Yeah, People, there's COVID out there and you're just fighting fires and you're getting, and you know, yeah, you, that, now granted, you're right. My wife being a gynecologist does help. Like I could pretty much lose my everything tomorrow. And I like, you know, cause babies are still going to be born. So, <laughs> you know, that that cash cow still come, you know what I'm saying? But like, so granted, I have like, yeah, that is very true. I I fully acknowledge that blessing, right? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know, at the same time, it's like I think a lot of people, it's just the, the mindset is just it's just different. I you know, I find a lot of our coworkers are generally they've never heard of people like Gary Vaynerchuk or mm -hmm. like you know Lewis How like the, you know people who have like done these kind of who do, do this kind of work with pursuit of passions right and i think 100 percent, bro you know and, and it's just like you you see like you talk to people it's it's like you're talking to foreign languages yeah, guys exactly just the whole vibe like the whole energy there is like i do this and this is what i do i get out of work i don't think of work and i i don't know i'll go get a beer on, on friday night or something then i go back like the whole vibe is just not entrepreneurial at all at all yeah well, right. that's, that's what we're uh that's how we're trained in America. That's how they send us through the, uh, the education system. That's like going to school. What is it? Eight to three. It's, mm -hmm. Oh, that's the, uh, the light version of nine to five. And they're, they're just getting you set up uh, for that. So it'd be right. really interesting, you know, going forward because a lot of people are <laughs> realizing that, Oh, our, our kids don't really need to be in school all, all day and that they can do fine online. Uh, well, at least they're being forced to right now. Um, so, so that'll be interesting to see how that gets affected. And, and, you know, um, in regards to, uh, 
you know, people thinking differently and not having these um, uh, other ideas and want to pursue things outside of their job. Um, I, you know, I don't think it's, it's, it's for everybody, but I think that, I do think that everybody can benefit from that type of uh, thinking, you know, in their, in their own job, you know, just, just having goals and being motivated, you know, and, uh, and working for yourself. You can work for yourself at a job. I, I just don't think that I, I can do it that way. Uh, my ideas of working for myself is, pardon, is starting my own business and making my own money, right? But I'm doing all that to have my own freedom and live the life that I want to. You can do that by working at a job, uh, but still people don't think like that, you know? It's still this, uh, it, there's, there's a lot of, this is the best thing that I can get to happen, so I have to do this. There, there is no better option. And I think that's unfortunate. I, uh, even in regards to people who want to have a career, uh, I was actually having this conversation with somebody, even when, in regards to people who want to have a career, I think it's really dangerous, the, the idea of, um, you know, I, I can't get too picky or choosy about, you know, how I want things or, or the type of life I want to live because this opportunity is, is just too good, you know? So, you know, I, I like this job, but my employer is really not a good employer. My managers are not good. There, there's a lot of toxicity here, um, but this is the best opportunity for me, so I got to stay here. Uh, I think that's just, I think that's just dangerous. And, and if I was somebody who was just going to go the career route, that would always be on my mind. I'm like, am I happy at this company? You know what I mean? Am I happy at this company? Because if I'm going to do the career thing and I'm going to work 40, 50 years for one company, we're going to make sure I like that company. And that's, uh, that's something that I don't think people do. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's what, I, and one of the reasons I, I've been, I guess, so, so to speak, loyal to my company is that I've seen people who leak because like people when they career jump sometimes they're they all generally all these corporations are the same right mm -hmm. and when you're an engineer you work in manufacturing they're all very similar right um so that, and then you realize that our company the company I work for Adam and I work for is actually like in some ways advanced mm -hmm. what you think about it, it might be kind of scary <laughs> but uh that's the reality man um you know, I was actually just debating this conversation in my head because so um, there's a consulting firm, a, a, a boutique consulting firm um, that was looking for like some people in manufacturing with that kind of background. And I, I've got a buddy who works there. He's like a director. And so we were talking and I was like, he's telling me the kind of money. He's like, your first year, you could be making like 200K with bonuses. Mm -hmm. That's a crap load of money. You're talking about someone who's furloughed too, right? Right. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, but then I'm, if I do this job, right, like I don't get to do any of my stuff, like podcasting is on hold because, you know, the consulting life is the, like, it just takes you, it just, you, it owns you, right? Right. You know, you do, I'm, I do it three to four or five years. Okay. I become a director. Then I exit out and I become like a vice president in some other manufacturing. I have then just at the age of 38, let's say I got 30 more years of work committed the rest of my career to manufacturing for the short-term benefit of like 200K in the next year, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe 500K in a few years, right? And I'm always going to be thinking, man, that podcasting, I was good at that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it had to fall off because I was working 120 hours a week, random client sites in the middle of Kansas or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> you know, 
and I missed my kids for five years because I was gone Monday through Thursday. Yeah, for sure. Right? And so I was like, yeah, it's just not worth it. But I was like, if you're, if you're a career guy, cause I was like, I think a lot of my colleagues, even if let's say they had my situation where life's working, they got three kids, but they have no podcast. They have no like idea of entrepreneurship, side hustles, any of that stuff. And mm-hmm. somebody comes to these like, Hey, you've got a great background in manufacturing. We want to hire you. Days plus up to 200K in bonuses, right? They will probably make that move, right? And I was like, yeah, no, it's it's like certainly Man. not like because like there's too much to give up. Mm-hmm. Man, it's so crazy. Like when you because obviously we all go through these uh, these inner dialogues through our heads. Like, should I do this or should I do this? Well, if I go this route, what are the implications of that, right? But when you hear it from somebody else, like I just heard you talking, uh, it, it just becomes so much clearer uh, to me at least to say like, man, do your podcasting thing, do the thing that makes you happy and don't sacrifice that for a short term gain, you know, right. it's so clear. But, but when you're trying to like decipher and cipher through all this uh, in your head, and you don't really have that outside perspective. It it, it can be pretty difficult, you know. Yeah, it's true. But what, the thing the thing is, there's a belief there, right? So number one, I've had experience in podcasting. I know I know based upon the market that I'm good at it, okay? Because I've got the positive feedback mm-hmm. from the audience. I also think with my new channel, there's no one else doing that. Most people are not gonna like interview people who were like completely off 180 degrees different, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And be comfortable enough in their own skin to have that conversation. That's what I realized as well. Like there is like, like I'm an, like in some ways I feel like I'm an aberration. Like no Muslim dude is going to walk into a church and spend 10 weeks there taking a class. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it's just like, and that's what I realized too. I was like, man, I mean, I was like, I'm a little, I'm a little odd in that sense. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't, cause I'm like, I don't care. Like, you know, I'm like, if I believe something, I should have enough security in it to like, you know, if somebody challenged me, I can have a conversation about it. If I, if I can't have a conversation about it, then I don't, I really don't believe anything. Right. And I think, but I think that sure. angle of my podcast is like, I don't see anyone else actually doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, especially operating from like a, that religious framework, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's where it's like, all right, you know, I got, I can't give that up because I do think there's a huge future in that. Like when, you know, it's crazy to think about now, but like Joe Rogan got the hundred million dollar Spotify deal. I'm yeah. like, you know, and I'm like, there's going to be a, you know, somebody who's saying Patrick Ben David that he envisions in the next five to 10 years that someone's going to sign a billion dollar deal with some platform as a podcaster. Right. Wow. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. I, you know, why can't that be, a, why can't that be me or someone, you know what I mean? Um, especially if I think my, my product is unique in that sense, like I'm not doing something that anyone else is doing. And I really do believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is, yeah. And that is also important that, um, you know, that's, that's another thing you can do, um, things that are different and don't follow the, the map, if you will, uh, you can do those with, um, intent and uh uh caution and and intelligence you know i think the problem another issue is like when people talk about uh pursuing something it's always like everybody uh not everybody i hate to generalize but 
I think people can get into their head the uh, Disney movie version of entrepreneurship where it's like, I've got this dream and I'm just, you know, going to drop everything and, uh, uh, and go do it. Um, and you, 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 you still got, you got to have a plan for that dream. You know, the, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, it's, it's easy to get into the, uh, line of thinking that like, oh, if you're not following the map, that just means you're not, you, you have no plan and you're just, you know, uh, going in blind and, 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 uh, shooting from the hip. Uh, but that's not the case. I, you know, any, any creative person, you you can be very uh, uh, meticulous and, and well thought yeah. when you go into something. Like it sounds like you are. Like you know, it's you're not you're not. It's not like you have a hunch that you're good at podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going off a hunch. You got people that are recognizing you by your voice <laughs> before you even had video. That's not a hunch. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it, there's and they're still personal because like my parents are immigrants, right? My dad uh -huh. came over from, like, you, you know, and they have a certain mindset. And so, and South, I know you've had some South Asian guests on your show before. Man, mm -hmm. South Asian parents are a trip. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, my dad, he, I'm, you know, he still wants like, hey, why don't you go get your MBA? And I'm like, why, Dad? Why should I get an MBA? It's like, so you can be a manager. Like, why do I want? Why do I want to be a manager? Cause, so I'm like, yeah, just so you can tell your friends that your 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 kid's a manager at some big company, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you start like, there's this like, and a lot, and I was having a conversation. There's a my, my friend's wife, she is an amazing baker. She started up like a bake. Um, shout out to Bake by My Show, by the way. I don't know if I can get free plugs, but I don't care. Oh, um, <laughs> she has like for sure. She makes amazing artistic like sweets, right? Okay. Um, and her husband works in private equity, so he's banking. I'm like, you don't need, to. and then, but she, there's this cultural pressure. She's like 22, right? There's this cultural pressure. She's telling me the other day that like, because of, um, that she's got to get a degree. What are people going to say? If you don't get a master's, you have to like, you know, show that you're keeping up with your husband, so to speak. I'm like, why? I mean, my cousin told me this when I got married to my wife, she's a physician. She's like, well, you know, you got to get a graduate degree because how's it going to look, um, when <laughs> people see that you're white, you're, you're, an, you're only an engineer and your wife's a gynecologist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So there is that. I mean, everybody, everyone's got that. Everyone's parent has that certain stigma. With some of us immigrant kids, it's just like, it, 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 it's a little different. And there's this idea to please. I, I, I've gotten past, I, I've kind of been a rebellious kid in some ways um, where I kind of got that out of my system. So now it's like, whatever, if my dad tells me something like, yeah, whatever, that's cool. Um, gotcha. You're right. I'm not, I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that is something that is so unfortunate. I, I think I'm fortunate enough to not have, um, not have that experience growing up, uh, this idea, but it's definitely something, uh, very common that I see just like a lot on social media, this idea that, um, uh, you can end up having to owe your parents or, or, or people in your life that you owe anybody, anything in terms of your own success. Uh, I, I mean, I'll tell you, um, my dad is, you know, if I ever made it, my dad's the first one I'm taking care of, you know what I mean? But I, I don't think that anybody, any human owes their parents anything, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Outside of love and respect, you know, the, uh, your, your own accomplishments. I mean, that's up to, that's up to you, you know? And like I said, I'm lucky to, um, I don't feel that pressure as much 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it exi- I think everybody has that pressure to some extent. I, I, I think it would be impossible to be a parent, with me and my, you know myself included. I don't I don't think I'll, I'll be a parent that like is not gonna nudge my kid like, hey, you know you could look after your old man and <laughs> you know and 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 do this. But uh, it's definitely varying degrees. You know, it, it's a, it's a lot more intense in um, right. Well, uh, I I definitely don't think so. Like, I definitely feel I have an obligation to my parents to take care of them. I'm not going to throw them in a nursing home. Right, exactly. By the way, if you've ever been in a nursing home, those places suck. Yeah, like, yeah. I, you, I, I'd rather do, if you, you're going to throw me and just kill me, right? It's bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't put my parents, like, definitely not. That's certainly out of the question, um, mm-hmm. right? But to me, the stuff that bothers So when I was in high school, bro, like, my dad's friends knew my SAT scores. And mm-hmm. my dad knew all my friends' SAT scores. Oh, right man. like they were like oh i heard you took the sat today you know oh yeah and then they're like oh what call a people so i mean I, to this day i have in my brain memorized my friend's sat scores from like 20 years ago wow because <laughs> it's just wow. like yeah, such man. a big deal it's like it's whole comparison thing oh so and so's doing that you know how come you're not studying as much yeah you know yeah, and, that's, and that's what i was saying like uh uh yeah you in, in terms of what i was talking about with uh owing uh your parents something I, 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 I don't, like you're saying, I, I think that's dangerous. Like you, you don't owe anybody a test score. You don't owe yeah. anybody that, but you know, but you know, in regards to family, you definitely do owe it to your family to, uh, to take care of them, you know, and, and love right. and support them, make sure that they're all uh, doing all right. But, but stuff like that, I, I definitely agree with you that that would, that would really irk me if like, <laughs> y'all just get around and talk about test scores and and you know gary gets on a, a soapbox about that too you know yeah, right <laughs> uh, talking about um uh, how parents uh, do things just just because they they want to and another thing uh that i uh, that i thought about is like i mean think about um when uh uh you know and th- I'm, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with this um but i think it's kind of funny when uh people throw like huge first birthday parties and it's like sure you want to have a a a celebration for your kid that's great that's awesome but then like people like try to push it as like this experience for this one-year-old that's not going to remember it's like no like have your celebration but but that's your celebration not the kid's not going to remember that you know i i wasn't you know what i missed my kid's first birth my last my third kid i missed her first birthday i was out of the country Oh no! <laughs> I wasn't even there. Right, you know, I, I can't imagine she's gonna be mad at you for that. <laughs> but yeah, no. All right, guys, I uh, I gotta get into this this topic. Um, this is something Josh and I kind of weren't haven't really been talking about much on the oh, podcast, boy. but we're we're kind of waiting for the right time to get into it, and I, I think this is a perfect time to do so. So, uh, Mahin, you had seen that uh, Like Minds clip on uh, YouTube regarding my friend Rahul and how he got indoctrinated, for one day at least, into uh, the Amway cult, if, if you will. And uh, you, you had reached out to me and, tell, and told me that you had a little experience with that company in particular. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience? Yeah, sure. So, almost 20 years ago now, this is 2001, right after 9-11, um, I started, um, my, I guess, I don't know, whatever you want to call it experience three year about a three year experience, um, in Amway Quickstar at the time it was called Quickstar. They were rebranding everything. Cause the Amway name had gotten like sullied so bad. Um, 
So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of just walk you through my, my, you know, what happened. Um, it was like, it was my third year of, you know, so I, I, I started going, I was going to school in Canada at the time, university of Toronto. I graduated from the Ohio state university. That's, you know, shout out to the Buckeyes. But, uh, you know, I know, I, I, you know, Adam is a Purdue grad got dibs over me. Cause last time we played y'all, y'all, y'all killed us. But, um, anyways, not to digress. I was at university of Toronto. Um, and I was, uh, I think my third year there. Right. Um, and not the best student, but you know, at the time I was still thinking about like, um, going to law school. I remember, so I was at the, um, there's a bookstore called chapters. It's like the Barnes and Noble. It was like on campus, off campus, downtown Toronto. That's where the campus was. So you go off, you're like downtown. And I'm like looking through and I, this guy comes up, this guy is like, Hey, uh, you know, just starts making small talk with me. So we're talking back and forth and he's just like, Hey, you know, I'm got a business. Um, you know, you're looking for, and I was, I was looking for like a part-time job at the time. Right. So, um, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, sure. Like, what do you got? He's like, well, you know, um, let, let me, here's my card. Right. Um, why don't you, uh, you know, give me a call and we could talk. So we set up a time. We met at the coffee shop, at his coffee shop by the apartment I was staying at. Um, you know, and he maps it out. He's got this whole thing. It's what they call the plan. It's like, you know, you, he's like, you know, you buy goods, right? Um, you spend about this much probably, probably, you know, why don't you like, you could buy it from, you, I could, we could set you up as an as a distributor. And then, you know, you, you buy in things wholesale, you're saving X amount of money. And then you get six people to do this and they get six. And then you have like, you, you generate every, and every product has a certain point value to it and you get this much. And then this over, this is about a two to five year process. And then you'll be making about 250 K per year. I think, I think something like that. Right. What, what type of product were you selling? I mean, Amway's typical soap. I mean, he, he didn't tell me like much about the company name. I'd know that I ask like his business card. Um, my, my mentor, my upline, what they call it, his name was Mark Odie. So his business card was like Odie international. I didn't know what the hell that was, you know? Right. So I was like, you know what? It had a website and everything that links to like his upline stuff. So, I mean, it looks like, you know, so anyways, um, you know, he, uh, this it's your vitamins, cosmetics, shampoo, that kind of stuff. Right. Toilet paper, basic, you know, basic household consumables. Right. That's kind of like the pitch. So I'm like, all right, well, um, yeah, it looks good. Um, what, what else do you have? He's like, well, we have a meeting. Um, you know, uh, why, don't, why don't you, uh, are you available like next Tuesday or something? I was like, yeah, I don't have a car, but like, and it was in the suburbs of Toronto. So he would he had to pick me up from the train station and then he drove me there. I'm like, all right, cool. So he, he takes me there and, you know, it, it's like, it, it's called what they call the open meeting, right? Where they talk about um, the plan and, there's this guy up there. He's, um, he just quit his job at, I think, um, mobile oil or something. Like he was a uh, computer science. He's a programmer and he was doing this full time. So he was, he was probably at the time in his mid thirties, he's talking about that. And then they got, and then, you know, he gets up there and you're like, Hey, well, and then the guy who runs the, the local organization, he gets up and gives a little spiel, slick looking, you know, guy in his fifties, slick back hair, slick back, all white hair, sharp guy. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I was now a lot of people, they see this vibe, they're enthusiastic, but they're not super jumping up and down. It's just like, they are like excited that are people to meet you. Like, how are you doing? Awesome. That kind of thing. Right. That positive energy, um, you know, and some people are turned off by that kind of hype. I, it, didn't, it never really bothered me. I was like, yeah, this is good. So I, I started coming for a few weeks, mm-hmm. started coming for a few weeks. 
Um, and then I was like, yeah, how do I sign up? So I signed up, right? And then he's like, all right. So then um, he was like, why don't you, we have this thing called phone team on Sunday nights. So you have your contact list. And so my upline would call everybody I gave him for me, right? And he would show me how to make these cold calls. Like how to make these calls. He's like, hey, I know so-and-so. And then I was setting up meetings on campus with people and they were cutting so my class. I was like, man, this is a great, everybody should do this, mm-hmm. man. This is amazing. Like, why the hell is anyone doing this? I like, you know, so, and I, and I, and all of a sudden my classmates are showing up, man. And I, I remember this one guy was like, Hey man, is this Amway? I'm like, no, it's Quickstar. And he's like, it's the same thing. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Cause I really didn't know. I had no background history of what Amway was. And so I asked my, I asked my sponsor, like, Hey man, this guy said the Amway. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah. He doesn't know what you're talking about. He doesn't know what he's talking about, etc. We're quick, you know. So, you know, I keep going. I, I Google stuff online. I see stuff, but I'm like, I'm not. And I was like, at this point, I was, and and I would say I got brainwashed pretty fast. Okay. <laughs> I was like, because if people were like critiquing me, I'm like, man, that's why you're gonna be a loser in life. That's why you're gonna work a nine to five. You're gonna be a jackass. You're gonna have a job, jackass of the boss right? (laughs) You learn all these slogans, right? And so I go back to Ohio. I'm from, you know, from Ohio originally. I go back for winter break and my dad's like, I'm like, um, you know, and my dad's like, um, how how are your, my grades are tanking by now. Cause I was like, Uh I wanted to be, I wanted to be an attorney, right? That's kind of, I was thinking about going to pre-law and I was meeting these lawyers through this organization and they were like, you don't want to be a lawyer, man. My job sucks. I want to, I'm doing this thing. I'm all in on this. Right. And so I'm like, well, this freaking lawyers, you know, like, yeah, why the hell am I? So I was going to school. I was going to school, just going through the motions, man. Like I was missing exams, midterms. It was bad. Mm, so so wow. my dad saw my grades. He's like, what the hell are you doing? I was like, dad, listen, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't need this degree, man. You know, and, 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 and dad, you got stinking thinking. You need to check up from the neck up as Zig Ziglar would say. <laughs> <laughs> I had all the terms down, bro. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> right and, and so I, and I remember i was having a conversation with like my, my, my friend's girlfriend was telling me like my hey you, you're in some pyramid scheme i was like listen you're about to be married to a loser all right you need to get off you need to, you need to drop that bomb and get in with me all right you know oh, <laughs> and Gret, i was probably an introvert okay but one of the great things i i became through amway i would say i didn't make any money by the way Right. I was about to ask. I did not make any money. Wow. But like, I just did not care about talking to anybody. Like, I would go to a mall and walk up to the dude on the bench. Like, hey, what's going on, bro? Like, how was work? You look tired. It's like, yeah, man, your job must suck. Like, listen, I got something for you. Wow. Interesting. (laughs) You know, like, I just did not give two shits. Can I cuss on the show? You know, okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, That's, but that's what I was like. It brought that out in me. Maybe it was maybe I was always like that, but it was untapped. It it like I it brought that out of me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think my I think my my biggest check was like two dollars and seventy cents. <laughs> wow, God! So it definitely sounds like you got some positives out of it because being able to talk to people is a huge thing. But I'm curious, what uh what actually pulled you out of the the cult, if you will? You know, um, so what happened was that once I was like pretty much failing every class, I, I think I had a 0.8 GP that year. No Jeez. way. <laughs> yeah, it was bad, bro. Because I, like, I literally was like, I remember one time, 
I was like in the health clinic or something. I saw a TA for my linear algebra class. I was taking linear algebra. And, uh, and I was like, hey, man, I, you know, midterms the next week, right? And he was like, no, it's actually two hours. I was like, oh, oh shit. God, <laughs> let me go. So I remember like leaving and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to bother. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know this material. I just went and dropped the class. My dad was like, why, why, why do you have like, first of all, less classes than you started with? You dropped like two classes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I was just like, well, I guess school, he's like, you should still get a degree. You, okay. You want to do your business on the side? Sure. All right. Go for it. But you should still get a I, I don't know what I want to do. So what happened was I actually spent the first year, I, was, I finished up the University of Toronto. You just did horribly, right? And I was like, and I came back to Ohio, went to community college, did my prereqs, uh, because like Canada didn't require all these prereqs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I was in Ohio, I eventually just phased out. Like you faded away, so to speak. You know what I mean? Because I was away from my sponsor, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the organization in Canada was like a growing organization. Like, the guy who was the, the, head, the, the head dude just hit this, the big level called Diamond, which is a level that everyone aspires to, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, like, there was this energy around the group. You didn't have that necessarily in Ohio. It was more spread out, yeah. so to speak. Um, I actually used to work for a guy, um, you know, a good guy who became a friend of mine. He was part of, the, he was part of Quickstar Amway in Columbus, and, but he had a business, too. So I, I used to do cold call for him as a side job, I used to like, basically he set up companies like small businesses on, um, you know, credit card processing, ATMs, all that kind of stuff. Right. So he would get the list of a club change of converse. So there was help. Like I, so I learned certain things that introduced me to certain people. Right. And what always kept me in, I think was in Columbus, for example, there's a guy named John Sestina. Um, Google him after the show. He's like a very well-respected financial planner. Um, you know, he's retired now, but he was an Amway bigwig, Right. So these kind of things were like always like, all right, but it, yeah, and I liked some of the product to be honest, like the, the vitamins were damn expensive, but when I took them, I felt like, like full of energy, right. That mm-hmm. I didn't get from random centrum. So yeah. I was like, there were things about it that I thought were legitimate that, that I, like, that I feel to this day are still legitimate, but the angle happens is that each sub organization like handles it because at the end of the day, it's your own business. Right. Yeah. And so the people who make it big, they then tailor their organization to do a certain thing, right? So for example, I remember asking my upline in Canada, like, how come we don't, well, how come we only focus on recruiting people to buy their own stuff? How come we don't focus on straight up sales? Because I remember uh, Rich DeVos is one of the co-founders of Amway. And I remember seeing this old like tape of his where he would talk about like, hey, the bread and butter isn't recruiting. The bread and butter is selling double X vitamins because that was the only product they had right? Mm-hmm. If you're not selling product, like it doesn't matter how many people you have in your organization. There's no volume of product. There's no income. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was, I would see this stuff. I was like, how come we don't do that? I was like, yeah, that's what these other groups do, but we don't do that. Cause you had to always be bought in to your upline. And that's the cultish aspect of things. Right. Like I, 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 I couldn't make fun of Mike, my, my uplines upline being a 30 year old bald dude right? Like losing his hair prematurely. I remember one time I got like scolded for it. Not really, but like one of my co guy, one of like, one of the guys who was like equal with me, who was like, Hey man, you can't, you can't joke about Barry, man. You got to like, he's your upline. You got to edify all the time. Edify, edify. Cause I, cause I made a, I made a comment that like, Oh, how, you, your brother's got a full head of hair, man. What happened to you, bro? You got a, you got the bad hair genes. 
Oh, and wow. uh, <laughs> I got like, I was like, um, okay. I didn't, I didn't think too much of it. Looking back, there's like subtle things that you see that are like, you know, but at the end of the day, I think these MLM companies, um, there's a, I, I think there's a way to do it to make money, but that has to involve actual selling product. Right. Yeah. And not such a focus on recruiting because, you know, then it becomes, you have, you have large organizations. And that's why a lot of these big pins, I think they fell is because they probably had huge organizations, but then people just like realize, Hey, I am um, spending more money than I would, that I would shopping at Walmart. That's what you realize. Like this wholesale business saving money is a joke. Right. But you focus, but there are good products out there. Um, I remember when they came out with these energy drinks, excess energy, you probably, maybe you've seen them at convenience stores, like little corner mom and pop shops. I was like, so, so let's say you have these X that that's an pop shops and you want to sell them energy drinks. You do it by the case. You could have make a killing. You could have. Right. So the vehicle was there, but I think it's, I think what happens is it's, it's just manipulated the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then the money is made off the tools of the conferences right and the diamond phil davies he was the diamond of my group in in toronto when he qualified diamond like he actually told me this straight up because we went out for coffee after he had qualified we were at tim hortons um late night and he was like hey guys the big money's in the tools like the conferences so like you go to a conference you buy like they have this thing called standing order where you're like, so a lot of concepts definitely make sense, right? When, when you're out on the grind, like when you're out selling stuff and you're being entrepreneurial and it's going against the grain, you're going to get like pushback, right? You need to keep the mind right. So they, that is true, but they definitely capitalized on that as well. Mm-hmm. So you were saying, you said, you said, mentioned something briefly, you had to stay bought into your upline. What, what does that mean? Yeah. So you have to really, so you're not supposed to like, so the guy that brought you into the organization, mm-hmm. you're supposed to like, listen to what he has to say, not d- dabble around and like experiment with others. Right. Gotcha. And from a point of view, it does make sense. Like, let's say you're a physical trainer, right? You, let's say you hire a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And then you follow what he does. You follow his program. You don't start dilly, you know, looking at, well, what about this guy, what he's doing? Like, well, you hired this guy for a reason, right? So the, idea, the intent is, I think, is legit to keep you focused, right? But if the upline doesn't know what the hell they're doing, or there is actually something else better out there, then, you know, my nature was always inquisitive. Like, so I would notice that like, there's another guy in my group. Um, he was really good at like cold um, contacts, what we would call cold, a cold contact is being able to approach somebody in a bookstore, a mall, coffee shop, wherever, and start a conversation with them. Right. Um, so I, I went up to him one day. I was like, Hey, his name, his name is also Mark. I was like, Hey, Mark, you know, I'd love to like cold contact with you at so-and-so mall if you ever got some time, right? You know, let me know when you're, when you're there, I'll, I'll come meet you. I was like, man, you got the best upline, Mark Odie, man, just stick with him. You get what I'm saying? They yeah. don't, they, they, they don't want you like going what they call cross line, so to speak, right? One of the fears, I know my, my upline was very nervous of the fact that like I was connected to this Ohio group, but they had no choice. I was living in Ohio. So I had to plug into an Ohio group and they try to find the closest Ohio group to me, 
but then I ended up going to another one because I was like, there's no big pins there. I, I, I went to the one where the financial planner was going, right? And, and, I, and I met this guy who was like kind of like a cowboy. This guy, my buddy Regan, uh, he was the guy that hired me for his company, like the part-time job who's in Amway. And he kind of was like, I don't give to you. He, he, I could sell like, well, he, he ain't listening. His uplines in Virginia somewhere. He's doing his own thing. But I, but I liked the bottle. I was like, man, this dude's got a brain though. Like, right? He's not mm-hmm. completely like, so I, I and that's kind of what I, I would notice that my upline was uncomfortable with it. They were like, um, I remember one time, this story, this is 2003. I'm, we're going to go to this thing called Free Enterprise Day in North Carolina. It's in September. It's the biggest convention. You get, they get about 25,000 people there, right? Um, and I'm going down with the Ohio guys. And my upline asked me, hey, is it possible that your upline, that, your, that the Ohio guys could like meet us halfway, meet us somewhere so you can jump in with us on our bus from Canada so you can get like extra teamwork development or something? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, um, I don't think there's a route. To me. I was like, that just didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, why the hell would I have him like meet me on the side of the road with a bus, right? And then so I can get on the bus with you guys. Like, I love you guys, but like, I just doesn't seem efficient at all. Like, I might as well ride with him all the way to, to North Carolina, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, yeah, that's that's strange. Did, so, last, uh, did did you have to pay anything for like resources or like, uh, did you have to pay anything to be yeah. part of Amway? So you have to join Amway, and most com- most MLM companies will have this. There's gonna be like a general registration fee. Mm-hmm. which is pretty like no it's like 30 40 bucks right it's not a it's like administrative stuff right it's not like um so in that sense i don't think it's a pyramid because you are getting i mean it's your license you you get licensed you know that kind of stuff within 30 40 bucks not a big deal if it's the companies that will like ask you for 400 500 bucks to register mm-hmm. so my buddy one of the first guys i sponsored was my was my buddy zia he was on my show sultan the sneakers right so after he show after he joins, he gets he jumps ship and goes to another MLM called Two by Two, right? They were selling like dial up internet, right, for like ten bucks or something, right? But their entry fee was five hundred bucks, mm. right? <laughs> and that was a straight up pyramid, because mm. there's no fee because like where was that? Because okay, you need thirty forty bucks to register, but where's the other four hundred fifty bucks? Right, dial up internet, right? your product and my boy was making a killing he was making a, he was making like five six k because he got all his buddies in they were all paying mm-hmm. 500 bucks but it was all going straight that was all like that is like a straight and they changed their name that that's your traditional illegal pyramid scheme right um mm-hmm. amway i would def- not consider it's not illegal um by the book so to speak right um there are elements of it you so you pay the 40 bucks when you go to these meetings right you're paying five bucks for entry right mm-hmm. um if you're buying tapes, you're paying for those. If you're going to conference, you're paying like 85, 90 bucks for a ticket. Mm-hmm. What you and what you and what happens is that the, the people in your in your organization, the higher ups, they'll make it cut. They make a cut off that, right? Right. So, oh yeah. yeah you know what I'm saying? So that's where that's what Phil Davies had told me. He pretty much told me like the money's in tools. That's what they call. Right. They right. want the larger groups buying because the more people, you know, they want you. This thing called standing order. Standing order is a thing where it's almost like you have a standing delivery every week you're getting a new tape and every month you're getting a new book. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're probably charging and, and they're making an upcharge off that, off, off the cassette tapes back then. These are just old school, man. These are like tapes. Like 
<laughs> not not even CDs yet, right? We started having some CDs, but uh, that's so the, that's where those are, that's where your money. So I probably blew about two three thousand bucks in the few the three four years I was in. Wow. Don't get me wrong, right? Wow, that's crazy. Uh, but uh, it, it it taught me so I I learned a lot. So I I I don't have like a negative a super negative experience, right? Some people do, but I think it's the way you, you know, I, I think like I, you know, I learned to be a little bit more outgoing. I learned the importance of reading books um, and, all, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, so not always lost, so to speak. Um, yeah, there are certain cool. things that I think I was, it influenced me. Um, I became like a card carrying member of the Republican party <laughs> 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 because they are very, they're so hardcore, man, as far as like, I, I remember one day I walked in, like, I remember one day I, w- I went to a meeting in Hilliard, Ohio, and they, interv- they invited this guest speaker from Georgia. He was a big dog from Georgia somewhere, right? And it was the day the United States started bombing Iraq, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the guy starts off just, like, ranting about how awesome it is that we're, 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 we're about to bomb the hell out of Iraq, right? Oh <laughs> so there's this obvious, like, political slant. And when you think about it, the DeVos family is tied to the GOP. I mean, Betsy DeVos is yeah. Trump's secretary of education, right? Right, right. Rich DeVos being the founder. So Betsy is his daughter-in-law, right? Uh, you know what uh, I'm saying? Yeah. So you got like, when you go to these big conventions, in Canada, you wouldn't get it as much because it's Canada, right? In Canada, they would talk about like, they would disparage the welfare system and all that kind of stuff in Canada. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't as obvious. When I would come to the United States for our conferences in North Carolina, Tennessee, and you, you, got, you got these Southern multimillionaires just mm-hmm. writing about like, you know, you know, Bill Clinton, Soros, et cetera, just going off, right? And I was just like, you know, and so you got this mindset and, you know, the mindset was straight, straight up. Like, hey, if you, you know, if, if, you, if you vote Democrat, you support laziness. Mm. Mm-hmm. bottom line and so like i was like yeah well that that makes sense to me wow. you know what i'm saying so yeah i i pretty much like was and when i got to ohio in when i was doing it in ohio it was a lot more in, in your face right yeah absolutely you know what i'm saying very christian republican obviously i was muslim at the time right but i could relate to a lot of the values but like you know i i, I became college treasure i became the treasurer of the college republicans um I volunteered for Bush Cheney 04. Um, you know, all this stuff went down because I think wow. of what, you know, that was my exposure to politics was Amway. Right. So you think that, you think that Amway influence, uh, do you think you would have volunteered for Bush Cheney had you not worked at Amway? No, probably not. I probably wouldn't have cared. Wow. Because I was, I was apolitical. I, I was like kind of apathetic. I didn't really, I was yeah. in Canada, first of all, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Um, but then it was interesting is when I was in Canada, I was always like seen as the American guy. Right. Um, it's funny because as a, as a Muslim of, Im- of an immigrant background, you know, when nine 11 happened, I was living in Toronto and people gave me condolences because I was an American. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, interesting. Because I was Muslim. I talked to like Muslims who are living in the United States after 9-11, they got pushback. I had white Canadians come up to me and say, hey, man, I'm so sorry what happened to your country because they saw me as an American, right? 
because Canada is su- in, in Toronto, it's such a multicultural city that like they yeah. actually do believe that they're Asians and African and Caribbean Africans, et cetera, are actually Canadian. You know, um, it's not just like the whites who are Canadian, who are Caucasian, who are Canadian. Right. And then when I go to, so when I go to Amway conventions in Carolina, Tennessee, and they equate being American as being Republican, like mm-hmm. being free enterprise, right. Etc. Mm-hmm. And being Democrat as being communist. And so it just fed into this, my whole Americanness. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, oh yes. Cause like, you know, it, it's when you look back, I, cause I was like, just, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about like this kind of stuff. Like how did this happen? And I'm like, and I'm like, yo, and you start connecting these dots. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That, well, I'm, that's, that's an interesting story. Uh, I I uh I think this is the podcast that ours is very brief, but uh <laughs> just because me and me and Adam when we started this, um, like and when we talked uh to our friend about the pyramid scheme, we were like, man, we got we got to tell tell our experience, and and we were uh we were kind of holding back, but once we found out you had an Amway story, yeah, we were like, this this might be the one. So I'll just give a brief. It it's it's so wild. Um how how this stuff works but from my I'll, I'll tell it from my point of view literally like at man it must have been like nine o'clock adam calls me and he's like hey you want to go to this networking event it's about an hour away uh we'd have to leave in the morning so let me know so i had to make the decision right there and i was like you know what let's do it gotta i'll, I'll be over at your house by seven and uh you know i'm getting ready for a networking event and uh and we get there and we're looking for the room or whatever. People are, are, uh, are waiting there. And, and this networking event, um, a friend of Adam uh, invited Adam there, and then Adam invited me. So we get there, and I didn't, we didn't know what the event was about or how it was gonna, or how it was gonna run, but we were told that it was a networking event, right? It was, mm-hmm. so it was supposed to be this thing where like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm getting ready, I'm like gonna shake hands, gonna talk about my business, gonna hear about everybody and all of their difference businesses that uh that they have we get there and everybody's really energetic everybody's really nice we're shaking hands and everybody is uh uh is asking us about what we do uh right and this is something that i thought was so impressive about this before but uh in the moment i didn't know what was going on i was like this is incredible we have not spent more than 10 seconds without talking to somebody because when you you talk for, to somebody for five minutes and they didn't just like if they got pulled away they didn't just like hey i'll catch back up with you guys they'll be like uh, i i gotta go do something here here's so and so and they literally walked you over to somebody else now the thing that was confusing me at at this point at this event was like, I'm like i thought this was a networking event and i've been here like about an hour may or maybe it was like 30 minutes i have no clue what anybody else does here I've gotten little bits and pieces and now I'm starting to think that everybody does the same thing here, but I have no idea what it is because I'm still thinking this is a networking event, right? Eventually, we find out that these people are all work for this company. Uh, should we name them? Are we naming the company? Yeah, it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> so, we, uh, so eventually, we find out they all work for this company name, uh, called PHP. Once I found ah, out, ah, yeah, my, my buddy's in with them. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, 
So we find, <laughs> out, <laughs> we find out what the company is and I still can't, like I've talked to 20 people. I now I have a company name and now I realize this is not a networking event. This is a company event. And an hour in, I still have no idea what these people do. But, but everybody's so hyped to be there. <laughs> and uh, eventually somebody uh, explains like they sell life insurance. Was this in Chicago? Uh, it was like right it was outside. In, uh, what was it? Oak Brook, Oak Brook or something? Oak Brook, yeah. yeah. Oak Brook. <laughs> right, oh, right. I, yeah. I've been there. Yeah, it was, so really? to talk about, uh, talk about the cult dance. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting to. So like, I, I, I've, we figured out that this is like this company event, PHP. This is a thing. I'm like, oh, okay. So we, we've been bamboozled. I wasn't ready for the things that happened next, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I shit you not. We, we, I find out that these people are, uh, they sell life insurance. And they're like, this is a recruiting event. I, I figured that out. Then out of nowhere, we're talking to somebody. And it's, it's, dude, it's like 150 people there in like this office building. Large, uh, we were like pretty much on one floor. It's a large space. But it's like 150 people there. All of a sudden, everybody starts clapping. Everybody. The whole room starts clapping in unison. And then a circle opens up in the middle of the room. In the crowd. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, you're, you're breaking up a little bit. I don't know if that's me or is that you, Josh? I uh, can hear Josh. Marheen, can you hear him? I can hear Josh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It must be my internet. Right. Okay. But, so, yeah. So, they, everybody there starts clapping in unison. They open this circle. They, and the whole time we were there, which I thought was weird, they're just playing, like, you know, top 40 radio, which I thought was really weird for a networking event. And they open the circle, and, these, and everybody starts dancing. And, everybody, and then they're, they're like running around, high five, like they go around the whole circle, high five everybody, and they come to the middle and they start dancing or whatever. And then uh, uh, at some point they do this, like in, it's, <laughs> by the time they started dancing, I looked at Adam and I was like, we are in a cult. <laughs> we, we, stumbled, <laughs> we, we stumbled upon a cult. And then shortly after I said that, they do, in unison, everybody there goes, they do some weird clap thing with their chest and say, PHP, and they had this chant. I was like, what, what is this? What, 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 are, they, what are they doing? Every, and you were talking about like high energy. This was a whole different level, man. This was not just like people happy to be there. Like these people were like, you would think that everybody was doing lines in the bathroom before they kind of, it, it, it was ridiculous. And they took, uh, they ended up taking me and Adam because we, it was our first time being at one of these events. They ended up taking us into a conference room with all the other people there that were there for the first time. And we ended up having to sit through a PowerPoint on life insurance. And, uh, and the thing is, and this is what really rubbed me the wrong way. Everybody there is to sell life insurance, right? But the, the, uh, the PowerPoint didn't exactly see, like the people there selling life insurance didn't seem to know much about life insurance. And it was a lot of, you could just tell they, even though I'm not a person, you could just tell that they were just picking pieces of information to kind of go along with the story and how you can start selling this stuff to be uh, financially uh, independent. And just the people, and just the things that they would say. Th this one bothered me. Um, 
because uh, it was like, I, I swear, like the, the girl doing the presentation, every, every time she switched a slide, she said something about, and, and yeah, so, you know, like, you know, become financially independent, you can make more money. It was like every time she switched the slides, she somehow worked in, like, if you start doing this, you'll make money. And one time she said, she's like, yeah, because wouldn't you want to do that? She's like, you know, who, who doesn't want to have more money to, uh, you know, uh, I, she like pointed to, she said, you go to church, you can start paying more tithes or something like that. I'm like, that's really, you don't start like manipulating people based on like their, their worldview, right? Like you, that's really dangerous for you to be doing that. And, and we don't know you, you know, and to start making assumptions about us and, 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 and our lives. Uh, and, and the whole time during that, uh, that presentation, I mean, the, the people in the next room, it was, it was a madhouse. You would think that, <laughs> you would think that uh, uh, 2 Change was in there throwing a concert or something like that. Was this like a, a Saturday morning? Yes. Yep. Saturday morning, okay. So I, I had never been. So I, I, was... my, my, my buddy actually sells insurance. He is, is with PHP, right? Okay. Um, and it's actually his only source of income right now. He's actually wow. um, done fairly well. Um, like he used to work at Protein Bar before. Like that, like restaurant. Okay. Um. So it's the only, you know, it's still, but it's a lot of work. I mean, um, I, I, I definitely think that it's disingenuous though from the get-go, whoever invited you to mm -hmm. say it's a networking event, right? Exactly. Um, I had never been to the office because I did get a policy from my buddy. So that's why I've been to the office, right? Okay. Um, the, the guy who runs local Chicago, I think is a guy named Matt Sapala. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt, he, is, he, he gets on seats like local smart guy or something right he's actually somebody that's I'm, I'm hoping to get on my show um right but i met him, but i got to talk to him at a cigar lounge right oh, yeah, yeah. i didn't like there was no pit so for me my experience wasn't like this whole like oh you got to drag this meeting but i think that's critical man when you come in the get-go and you feel like you've been bamboozled mm -hmm. you're gonna be like yo that's that's not what i thought it was like at least tell me so like when i went to go meet matt like oh, six years ago now i think Mm -hmm. in a cigar lounge i knew what it was about i knew that my buddy was selling life insurance he was like hey why don't you think about it you know it's a good way to make a side income kind of thing and i was like you know um you know so i you know i don't know if you guys know patrick bet david um he has a podcast called valuetainment it's really popular yeah he's the he's the founder mm -hmm. uh, right it, which is right because really, they they mentioned that a lot but uh it's odd that patrick um i don't know why i don't know why because i mean obviously this thing sounds like it's it's got some success so it's uh it does my my, my my personal conclusion in general is that um after exploring life insurance policy companies and stuff it i mean it's, it's a they have decent companies they'll sell right mm. um however like you can't the top-notch companies like i eventually dumped my pop i hope my buddy doesn't see this clip but he's gonna get pissed because I, I actually dumped his policy like he knows it though he like called me up i was like yeah northwestern mutual that's who i go with now i mean there are they are Cause like PhD people, they have like a portfolio of insurance companies they can sell. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but then the higher end companies like Northwestern mutual, for instance, um, they, you have to like, um, you almost have to be working for them specifically. Right. Um, and their, their people aren't like, they don't have, they're not recruiting people like this. You right. get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, you, but he, I remember you, he, he had to go through a certification, like financial licensing, all that kind of stuff to sell the products. Uh, yeah, but it, it would be the wrong way too, right? And, and I think that's the thing. I, I, I will say this. A the Amway champ was this. It would be like, 
you wouldn't see it in the beginning, but when you went to the big conferences, whenever the big guys would come, they would start waving their hands. They're like, oh, and then you're like, ooh, ooh, freedom, flush that stinking job. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And can, if you imagine 25,000 people doing it in a stadium at once, yeah, that's like you feel thing. it. That's the yeah. thing. It gets you, it gets you oh, hyped. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, and, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's the thing, like, uh, kind of how you were talking about, like, with Amway, like, why don't we focus on sales, you know, these things, uh, and that was my takeaway from that experience that me and Adam had was like, the the weird thing is like, it's, it does, I'm not saying that it's not a legitimate business, but the, the way that, uh, these MLMs, uh, work and and uh set it up like you were saying it's just a it's it's just weird and i think you used a good word uh disingenuous but yeah you you get you have to be licensed to to work for php you can't just go in there you know you're not you're not a con artist right you actually sell a policy Mm -hmm. you're selling a policy you know exactly uh but their pitch on like the financial independence uh mo uh you know it it doesn't come from you don't get there as fast if you're just focusing on on selling policies. And the guy, uh, which is again, this is it's weird that like your 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 insurance salesman and the uh, 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 Ellis, I think his name was, uh, at the end of it, he goes he goes, yeah, he's like you know if, um, if I would have done done anything different, he's like as soon as I came out of there, I'd be getting more people in there, you know, more, talking about like getting more people to come uh to the meetings and stuff like that but it's not you know i i wonder how much more successful like these companies would be because you're saying like uh you said you actually like some of amway's products and life insurance is life insurance you know it's like how much more successful would these companies be if they just you know um one thing about this is what kind of again comes down to your sub organizations right when in in toronto one thing i'll credit my subgroup with and even ohio has others too they wouldn't bring their a new prospect to a rah-rah meeting mm-hmm. unless they pre-qualified that person. You already had like seen, right. know something that you know what the hell was going on. Because if you don't know, Jack, if, you think, if you're, the, you're not going to go, because an Amway distribution group that's doing, the right, doing it the right way, which I think in Canada they, they were, like mm-hmm. I was not going to walk into a meeting having no clue and people were chanting. That was yeah. not going to happen. They, they made sure that they got you through the right filters so to speak right and right. that's critical because if, if you feel the, for the if you're just free like i'm out of here but where else is door yeah say, say that one more time you cut out just a second there yeah I, I i was just like man if you're freaked out like you're just gonna be like and that's what they're doing they're freaking their prospects out and they're just yeah. gonna be like where's the exit mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. can't get out of there fast enough Right. <laughs> right. And then yeah. you end up in an awkward man, that was like because it was like as soon as I found out what it was, I was like, dog, let me go home. <laughs> but you know, then you end up in a weird situation because like we were there for somebody else. And we I'm not gonna be a disrespectful, you know. I um like somebody invited me here. So Adam was it was a friend of yours that invited you? It wasn't a, a friend. It was someone that I met two days before that at an actual networking event. Okay. So he texted me like a day or two after that networking event. And he's like, hey, he's like, there's, there's a networking event this uh, Saturday morning. 
with some great like-minded entrepreneurs and there's going to be some big name people there. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like I'm an entrepreneur and I, I love going to these networking events to, you know, see if there's any ways I can collaborate with other entrepreneurs and learn about what they do. And, uh, yeah, we, we show up there and it's a bunch of people selling life insurance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But, it, uh, you know, again, though, I, and I think even me and Adam were talking about this on the way home from that event. Uh, you know, you always find the takeaway, right? And it was it was nice to like have like for an hour, you know, I felt like I got in a, a lot of good reps of giving my pitch and, you know, uh, talking about what I do and uh, and just shaking hands. So there's always there's always something to take uh, take out of those uh, take out of those things. And, and you know, and if anybody is doing uh, that, if anybody is working for DHP and, and selling life insurance, you know, to each his own. I, I definitely don't want to uh, <laughs> make it sound like you just because it's not. I, I don't want to make it sound like it's this, uh, like it's a a a hundred percent scam and and uh, and illegal. It is a legitimate business. It's just not how I would go about a business. You know what I mean? Right. I would agree with that. It's a good. It's a good take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was that was our that was our MLM. Uh, MLM story. No, and, 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 like they're going to be an entire podcast, yeah, like a channel oh. dedicated to like people's MLM experiences. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> sure. I'm still like, you know what? Every now and then, I'll go, I'm I'm in touch with a few of my guys from Canada on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, just to see how things are going, and you know, none of them are still in it, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, but I'll Google like certain people, and you know, Dateline did a documentary, Am- and the thing is, Amway is the biggest, is the most famous. MLM company in, in like, you know, in the world, you know, so, um, it's something that, uh, you know, but I, but I, so I think there has to be obviously some legitimacy there for Mm -hmm. that to be sustained. Right. You know, they support the Orlando magic arena, Amway arena, that kind of thing. And I, and I, and I do respect the fact that they've gone back to call themselves Amway and they ditched this whole like notion of like dishing their net, you know, of like getting away from quick star. Because Quickstar, they were trying to market it as they were trying to get away from the Amway name because it was like again, right? You know, organizations. But I, but, but like again, my my, my takeaway is like, I, I'm not like against it. Like I, I I think it's a fit for the right person, right? But um, they should definitely focus on the sales side of things, not just the right, yeah. stuff. And but I think it's really hard to. And and I think the problem is like I can give that advice, but that's only because of my experience. Mm-hmm. Like a new person their upline is going to tell them to do what they tell them to do. So that's, mm-hmm. so that, that's kind of, so it's kind of a catch. It's, I don't know if it would even, if it would even work. Right. Right. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You, you would need a very independent entrepreneurial, like, like minded person to like succeed in that way. I think. Mm-hmm. And there sure. are those, there are all those people. There are all those people that are like, listen, sign me up. I want to do my own thing. I ain't listening to your upline stuff. I'll do yeah. it my own way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if they, I don't know how they well, how they do, sure. but they're not recognized in that sense, but who cares if you're making money? <laughs> I might need to find somebody. I'd love to talk to somebody who's uh, 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 making all their money on PHP or Amway. That would that'd be an interesting conversation to see what those people have to say. Yeah, I mean, no, my, my, my buddy is. My buddy is a full-time, like, that's his only thing. But he, like, he Oh, works. okay, yeah, that's right. He's been doing it for about, um, I think he's been full-time now for about four years. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's as it, it, again, it's sustainable in that sense, right? Um, you know, but so policies 
and you know, he's always working, getting new clients and, you know, I, and I don't think he focuses as much on, it seems to me, at least from my talk to him, it's, um, again, people sign up a policy. He's not getting a lot of like, he's not getting like more agents, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Right. Mm -hmm. But I think the big money is always the more agents you get, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. the larger your agency For becomes. Sure. Yep. For sure. All right, guys. I think this was a great podcast. Uh, this is our longest podcast yet so far, actually. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, Mahid. Uh, where can we send our viewers so that they can see the work that you're doing? Right. So I'm on YouTube at Sultans and Sneakers. Um, my Facebook page is Sultans and Sneakers. My Instagram page is Sultans and Sneakers. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. It's Sultans N, the, le the, the letter N, S-N-K-R-S um, is my Twitter handle. Um, yeah. So my personal IG, if people can follow me there, it's Mahinda Podcaster. Um, you know, so yeah, they, they, they can engage with me there. I'll you know, respond. If anyone has any recommendations, anybody based on what I talk about, um, that they would like me to have a conversation with or interview, I'd be happy to, you know, engage with anybody at this point. I, I, my only criteria really is as long as the person's honest about their views, they're not like, you know, I, I feel like some people are dishonest, but like, you know, for the most part, I think people genuinely believe what they believe in. Mm -hmm. Right. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I had a great time talking to you. Great time meeting you. Uh, yeah, hopefully we can, uh, we can all talk again or maybe do another podcast again. I, uh, some other, uh, we went a long time, but I, I, I bet you there's some other stuff we could get into sometime. But it was great. I enjoyed it. This is uh, probably one of my favorite ones so far, Mahim. Likewise, man. Appreciate, it was a pleasure being on. Awesome. For sure. See you guys. Peace. All right. Take care. Take care.